Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation. Featuring your extremely good-looking co-hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep. All right, we're live, and we're doing it again, because we tried this once before, and it didn't work out so well, because, I don't know, Minnesota weather. Right? Yeah. Sad. It's crazy. Yeah, we. this is the second go-around. I think uh, the universe just wanted us to have Andy in our midst again for just a little bit longer, um, and uh, yeah, it was well, great. I feel like the lucky one, because I get to hang out with you guys. Aww. Well, you are, yeah. but we're lucky too. Aww. And well, he, he was so kind to bring us a treat last time. I was time. just going to say, he brought Topper's Pizza you're, for us. You're it's welcome. like he knew that I needed more carbs in my life. <laughs> yeah, it was it was delicious. <laughs> and then I had to dip out because our power went out from that storm and my wife needed me home. So I had a couple slices and dipped. You are super but dead. Are. Super dead. I don't know about that. I don't <laughs> think I told you, Andy. I think I told you, Aaron. The uh, door, the side door at the restaurant is full on glass and it smashed during that storm. And For I didn't real? realize it because my sister got the call, but it is still boarded up. It looks like there's been the some wind, sort of break in. The wind took it open and just yeah. smacked her. Just smashed it. So I was there uh, afterwards that night. I was cleaning glass until like one in the morning, just yeah. sweeping and sweeping and sweeping and sweeping because it's all over the place. Yeah, it's one of those lovely things you have to deal with as a business oh, owner that gosh. you'll maybe only do once. Yeah. yeah. But you have to oh, know how to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's always something that pops up, but yeah. For sure. So. Well, cheers, boys. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Andy Wilkie is our guest tonight. Thank you, Andy, for joining us on the Get Deep podcast. We've been eyeing you and wanting you on here for a while. Um, Andy, do you have a middle name? Paul. I know why it's Paul. Do you know why it's Paul? I actually Paul? know most people's I, I don't. but Paul Bunyan, actually. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Uh, or it could be because maybe your roots. dad. It's uh, Paul Wilkie. That's my father. So. Ah, I thought, yeah, thought we had roots with Paul Bunyan there. I thought that was maybe. A, it would have been funny. You know, I should just start telling people that. It'd be you a lot should. more funny. You should. You should start telling your kids that when they get old enough to understand it, too. I yeah. suppose your daughter's old enough to understand that. Yeah. Joke, maybe. Yeah. Did you side note for one quick second because I do that yes. on this podcast? Um, the big Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue Ox statues that are up in Bemidji. Mm-hmm. Did you ever go to those when you were younger and they would like talk to you? They had like a person in a little hut. And when you're young, you don't know. And you could be like, hey, Paul. And be, Hello, how are you? So and so. And they'd say your name. First of all, that was a very good impression. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's terrible. Second, yes, I've been up there um, many times driving by. Um, I don't remember them talking to me, though. So that might have been just in your head. It, Maybe yeah. they were talking That's to me. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it might have been. Thanks, guys. <laughs> You're probably right. Uh, however, I, you know, later on in life, like when I was, you know, 19, 20, 21 years old, when I finally thought back on that, I realized my parents gave our names to that hut off to the side. That's why Paul knew my name. Oh. See, parents are sneaky like that. They are. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing those things. Yeah. Playing tricks on our kids. Well, to get into tonight's podcast, I think I'll just give the listeners a little bit of a summary of who Andy is or what he's got going on in his background, if that's cool. Uh, Andy is currently the business development and public affairs director for Greater Mankato Growth. He gave me his business card so I could read that off because I keep wanting to say political affairs. You know, there's, public affairs. there's a QR code on the back of that. Isn't that cool? Ooh, but it yeah. also Where says, call me maybe. 
Yeah, there you on? go. That's good. Uh, Andy also has kind of traveled the country a bit because he was previously in a role with um, River Hills Mall and the investment co- uh, company that owned the River Hills Mall here in Mankato. And his family has history in Topper's Pizza, which is probably mm-hmm, why mm-hmm. he brought Topper's, which was mm-hmm. very generous of him. He's a runner, a father, and just an all-around great dude. So this is going to be a fun episode to get into Andy and understand you a little better. I'm going to add that to my LinkedIn profile. Great dude. All add around. <laughs> right now. Do it. I love it. Yeah, thanks for joining us, bud. Um, so where do we want to start, Wes? We've got so many uh, things you mentioned about him. So we want to start with, like, you know, he's fr- you're from here. Originally, yes. you were born and raised. Yeah. Let's talk about your upbringing a little bit. Yeah, born and raised here in Mankato at Emmanuel St. Joseph Hospital um, and uh, lived in uh, North Mankato my whole life. So I was on that side of the river um, and was a Hoover Husky and then went to Garfield for a year and then Dakota Meadows and then Mankato West, Scarlet's. Um, and uh, had a fun time. And that's where I got to know Mr. Jones here. Hey. Yeah. So did you guys graduate at the same time? We did not. Nope. I was uh, 04 and okay. Andy was 03. 03. Just the year before. Close myself. enough. That's right. I think we um, really got to kind of know each other from softball and some of the friends we like kind of had in common. Yeah. So I I played sports in high school, but I was more football, basketball, baseball. Um, but I remember you being more like running sports, softball, volleyball, and then like summertime sports. softball. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Aaron is Wes. very manly. Super. Yes. Um, Harry. but you know, so I kind of always ran with like the sports kids, like the ball sports kids, but then I also had friends with the runners. Um, so one of my good friends, Jeff, um, obviously you ran with Aaron and so, um, kind of got friends with them, but then I always kind of ran with kind of a lot of different groups. Um, and I always had like one or two really close friends, but just kind of had a lot of really like a wide network of acquaintances and right. friends. So, and Aaron was one of them and some others. So we actually, so, uh, again, like he said, we had some mutual friends, but, um, got to know him a little bit better when we, we played, uh, I believe it was, uh, division eight, uh, softball. I think uh, we were. It's it's one through eight. Okay. It's it's the worst. But mm-hmm. we, I thought we, we were making a up. joke about what level of softball <laughs> you were. At. Well, that is the that is the level. That was the level. Okay. Um, was it? I it, don't even know. We Matt Long created the team, and we signed up because it was it was when we were still Knights Chamber at the time. Yeah, and we chose Division Eight because we were just it's the fun team. league, right? So we said, let's just do it, and I believe we won that year, and I believe you were on the team. Well, I I, I didn't play. You guys played for many many years together, and I think I played for part of one year, sure, um, just yeah. for whatever. So, and then I, um, I think that was while we were in college, or I was in college. I feel like, or we we're in high school still. It's so yeah, long ago. Time, I mean, it's crazy. getting old. I'm forgetting. So. So I'm real curious as a fellow restaurateur, when in your background or your parents' background probably did the Topper's Pizza piece come into play? Yeah, so that was uh, while I was in college at MSU. Um, So I graduated West and uh, my first year went to North Dakota State um, and it was not the right fit for me. So then I came back to MSU and um, uh, just kind of took everything just because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life um, at the time, as most college students don't. Um, and 
my dad kind of came across this Topper's Pizza company and thought, wow, that's this is really interesting. Started digging in a little bit more. And he thought, gosh, maybe we need to open up our own because they were doing franchises. So that was in um, 2007 is when we opened up Topper's Pizza here in Mankato. So my family was the franchisees. We were the 17th store that opened up out of Topper's Pizza. They're based out of Whitewater, Wisconsin. Scott Getrich is the owner. And um, that was kind of um, a, a really interesting experience because you got to like, you're in school and you're learning about business and then you're actually doing it, right? You're selecting the site, you're working with a developer, you're negotiating a lease, you're working with a contractor, you're putting together plans, you're buying equipment. Oh my gosh, now you got to hire people, you know? So you're just going through all of that process. And it was, I learned more during that than I think I did during college, frankly. Um, but that gave me a lot of insight into what I do now and what I've done since then. But just working with people and then developing the brand, developing the, the business. And then I remember distinctly, it was all this work to lead up to it. And it was a couple of years worth of work. And all of a sudden we were open. And you're like, oh my gosh, we're open every single day. Yeah. And you have to be there. And, and, and Toppers was interesting because we were one of the first that was open until 3 a.m. That's right. I was that just going right. to say, yes. what were the hours? When did it open? Was so it we, like we opened at 10.30 a.m. Okay, so just for folks that don't really process this, if you are a business and you're open at 10 a.m., that means you're probably there at least by 9, maybe 8 o'clock yes, in the morning. 9 o'clock. So you're talking about 8 in the morning until 3.30 in the morning the next day. Mm-hmm. And when you're a business owner, you have to worry about anything and everything that's happening in that business for all of that period of time, plus a little bit of extra on the closing side of things. Absolutely, yeah. So you have maybe a five-hour window every day to, to not worry. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> my my mom put in a ton of hours. She was working 100-hour weeks because she had worked at Carlson Craft for 25 years, and uh, she left her job at Carlson Craft to open up toppers and run it. Uh, my dad kept his, his day job and just kind of helped out. Um, well, kind of helped out. He did a lot as well. Um, but he was working a full-time job during the day and then would be at Toppers at night, weekends. But my mom was there almost 24-7 sure. for the first um, forever while we ran it. Um, and you're right. You go in, in the morning. You, you're opening things up. You're getting the make line ready. And then we made all of our own fresh dough there sure. on site every day. We actually cut our own cheese. Uh, and then we made our own sauce. And then there's just a zillion other things you have to do every day. And you got to hire people, and you got to train people, and then you got to make food and get it out the door. There was a joke left on the table with the cut the cheese. You're welcome. Move, yes, yeah. I, I <laughs> looked at Aaron. How did and that he escaped me? I looked <laughs> at you. I, I just, yeah. just just so beautiful, and I just I was so focused on how beautiful you are. I totally didn't even catch the cut the cheese. Oh. I'm losing it, Wes. <laughs> I even slept good last night. That's what's going on. No, that's a that's a really cool. Uh, education as you said yeah. right i mean to not only have the education of going to college and studying it but then the real world application what was your specific role within the business so we ran kind of three shifts throughout the day so every shift had a shift leader that would kind of make sure everything was going well and so I, my role was kind of an assistant manager general manager type role um and so i um helped provide that leadership, making sure that everything went right on the shift. All the stuff got done for that shift, but then we teed everything up for the next shift to be able to be successful. But then we also, as a family, obviously, you know, when you leave, you're not done. You know, I can remember how many, you know, conversations we had at, at the, at home afterwards, after we had a great dinner, it was a great session, lots of sales. 
you know, we talk about, all right, this went great and let's, let's make this better, you know, and here's how we can grow the business. Here's how we can expand the business. Here's the relationships that we need to mm-hmm. establish with other people and other businesses so that we can continue to grow the business. And so all those sidebar conversations with, you know, with a drink in hand, you know, and toppers on the table, obviously, that was the super fun part for me, being around the table with my family. And my brother was involved, Chris, he's five years younger than me. And when we opened the business, he was still in high school. Um, And so it was just fun to kind of have that family dynamic. My brother and I had so much fun because we we hired a lot of our friends. Yeah. So we just hired our friends and we just would go go to work and hang out with our friends and have fun making pizza, Mm -hmm. you know. And then at the end of the day, it's like, well, take pizza home and keep it going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Was that a challenge, hiring people that were close to you like that where you had to – you know, you're, you're joking around, you're, you're doing your normal friend stuff at the age you are. And then you got to kind of crack the whip a little bit since it's your family's business at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, kind of be like, Hey, Hey, stop effing around over here. Yeah. You learn a lot uh, about people and their work ethic. Yeah, that's for that, sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, we had to serve our customers. We sure. had to make a good quality product. We had to get it there in a time, timely fashion. And we had to keep doing it hundreds of times every single day. And when people wouldn't show up on time, would you know not show up at all um, or just ditch us i mean you had to have some tough conversations but they all knew every single one of them knew yeah i'm I'm, it's not working out wow so that was 2007 when you were starting out how long did you guys's family own toppers oh we sold the business in 2013 so by then my brother and i had both graduated from college and we decided to pursue other careers and so once we had moved on and and you know that source of uh labor with our friends kind of uh, fizzled out uh, it, it became a little less fun i think but a lot more work um, sure. and so then the timing was right just we had grown the business sales were doing really well the timing was right and we had a willing buyer who was another franchisee so they sold sure. it so in that uh, six or seven year period, then how much had Toppers grown as a franchise? Um, I think right now they're up to 70 stores. Okay. I don't remember what they were at in 2013, but um, yeah, they're up around 70 stores now, which is crazy because uh, the current owner, Scott Gerrich, is doing a tour of all the Toppers pizzas across the country. And they're primarily Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, but they also have some locations in North Carolina and Texas and throughout the Midwest. And he's visiting every single store. <laughs> and unfortunately he visited Mankato um, while I was sick. So I couldn't go see him, but it would have been great to see him. But my parents went and visited him and, and they had a lot of fun. And, um, you know, we're still part of that toppers family and we still sure. have a lot of loyalty for him, which is why I brought you guys toppers. So. Yeah, yeah, it was delicious. It was a nice little throwback. Cause we used to get that. Um, we used to get their pizza a lot. And those, yeah. those, um, Topper sticks with the, the bacon on top. Oh, yeah. All that. And since oh, you guys were speaking my lung love language now. Well, <laughs> hey, I try. Uh, but being open till 3 a.m., I mean, that kind of set you guys apart because um, you were the only place locally, pizza place that was open till 3. Am I, am I mistaken on there? Or was there another one? I too? think there was one or two. I'll, I don't remember which ones. I think Gary's Pizza was Gary's. or did. Okay. Um, and, you know, we. We saw a lot of those that late night business. orders. Yeah, and people. It's <laughs> oh, yeah. on Mankato. The bars close at two, and and you got a lot of hungry of college I kids. Was one of those guys that wanted some food, and um, I still am one of those. Guys. <laughs> hey, stumble in. Hey, <laughs> topper sticks. So we would take orders until three a.m. Yep. 
and then we would have to make them and deliver them. And, you know, by the time you make them, get them delivered, get back to the store, it's after four, then you got to clean, then you got to count the cash, uh, and then you got to send people home. So sometimes you weren't getting home till the sun was coming up. So the wow. topper sticks to me, I mean, I don't even understand why they sold pizza because they could have just sold topper right. sticks, right? right? I mean, those were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, just for my own curiosity, uh, with Zans, the cheese Gelito accounts for like 50% of our sales. When it comes to toppers, is there a huge portion of sales as topper sticks or is it uh, more pizza than I would imagine? Um, I think it's probably slightly more pizza from what I remember, but topper sticks was way up there. So it's not as big of a uh, percentage yeah. like you have at Zans, but um, topper sticks was definitely a, a big, big seller for sure. And the cool thing is that toppers would always kind of try one different product. So you'd have quesadillas or sandwiches or wings or other different things and kind of, you know, see what works. Um, and some things would stick and some things would not, but then also their house pizzas too. So that was kind of the cool thing. So I brought you guys a Buffalo chicken pizza, which has been a staple for many, many years, but that was not on the menu when we first opened toppers. And so that came out later and thank goodness it did because it's amazing and I love it, especially when I douse it in ranch. (laughs) (laughs) You have to, it just makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Everything's better with ranch. What's Um, the, what's the process on that? Is that something that like toppers has their own development kitchen that works on that? Or do you guys get to contribute or a little bit of both? So uh, at the time there's a guy named Dale uh, and he would old Dale. Yeah. He he would come up with uh, different ideas for different house pizzas and he'd try them out. um, And uh, actually Dale is the current uh, co-owner of the franchise here in Mankato. Wow. um, Which is really cool. So he lives in Owatonna. So Ah, that is so cool. If you, if you could narrow it down to one thing, you know, so much experience that you mentioned about business and people and, and all those things, if you can narrow it down to like the number one thing that you learned, just being a part of that whole toppers family and, and obviously your family being such a huge part of it and everybody being involved, what would you narrow that down to? You know, there's a lot of things, but as I reflect at, at where I'm at now, it, it comes down to relationships. Um, you know, you can achieve a lot, but if you're not building relationships and maintaining relationships, um, it, it just makes things a lot harder. Yeah. Well, that advice serves you well in your current role. Right. Crazy. Good well. segue. I, absolutely. 100%. And well, that's, that's, I feel like we're probably going to skip over another big topic if we jump right into the current uh, role because yeah. you you left Topper's Pizza to go right into the mall business or did you do something else? No. So I um, was at Topper's and um, I was... Um, in graduate school at the time and um, for public administration. And then I had an opportunity to go work at the Minnesota state Capitol. And so I went up there and I worked for the Minnesota house representatives for one session as a led uh, community, a committee page, which is like not even as good as the guy who gets you coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A lot of copies, sorting mail, handing out amendments. Um, But you got to witness, you know, the legislature in action. And so I did that for a session, and um, that's where I met um, my now wife, uh, Rachel, at the time, and we kind of just maintained a friendship at the time. Um, and so I was done and had fun uh, at the legislature, and Minnesota's legislature was a part-time one, so by May, they were done. So I came back to Mankato, and I was kind of like, what do I want to do with my life? And I ended up getting a job at Wells Fargo in the Twin Cities because that was a good opportunity for me to tell um, Rachel at the time, hey, uh, I like you, we should live together. Cool. <laughs> um, and so 
I did that for a summer, uh, and and that was in 2011, and it didn't work out. I never knew it was going to, um, and so I had an opportunity to get into the mall business. So I'd gone to school, um, like I said, uh, undergrad was political science, graduate school was public administration and urban planning. I wanted to run cities. I wanted to be a city manager type role. Um, it was always you know, exciting to me. Government gets a bad rap for sure, and rightfully so in some cases. I always was an idealist and thought, I can do it better. I can make sure that we can improve this and we can do it better and we can meet citizens' needs better, which I think a lot of folks in government want to do. For sure, but you know, I was an idealist at the time and thought I could do that. Well, this is right after the recession, um, so in 2010, uh, 11, there was not a lot of jobs in government. Uh, governments were cutting back, and so I was kind of like, "What do I want to do with my life?" And my old man called me and he said, "Hey, there's a job down in Des Moines for you." And I was like, "All right, well, what's the job?" It was associate general manager of Jordan Creek Town Center. It's like, Dad, that's what you do. You're in the mall business. Like, well, I don't want to do the mall business. I, I want to work in government. He goes, no, no, you're more trained for it than anybody I know. I was like, okay, tell me why. So he says, well, you want to run cities, right? Like, yeah. It's like, well, running a mall is exactly like running a city. You have public safety. You have police. You have public works. You have maintenance. You have, you know, leasing. And, you know, you have, you know, you know just it's, it's called kind of aligns with each other. Well, and for context for folks, we should probably mention that your dad... Well, I'll get there. Okay. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I just so, want them to know. And so the, you said the other piece is that um, he's like, you have sat at the dining room, tape, dining room table with a mall manager for 20 years. So my dad has been the, had been the mall manager at River Hills Mall since 1993. And so I got to hear all about his day. I got to go to the mall on the weekends and understand what it takes to clean all the food court tables every single day, a hundred times every day. Um, you know, maintaining relationships, plowing snow, um, all those things. So I, I kind of observed and learned from him. I remember when I was eight years old is, uh, my dad was early on in, in his career there. And he said, Hey, we're gonna go to the mall this weekend and we're gonna help clean up the trash around the house or around the building. It's like, okay, great. Here's a garbage bag. I want you to pick up all the cigarette butts that you find. Okay, great. This is like the mid nineties, right? Or early nineties. Everybody still smoked. Yeah. He's like, I'll give you a nickel for every single cigarette butt that you find. Oh, okay, here great. It goes. So I'm out there and I'm hustling, hustling, hustling. And I come back with his garbage bag full. And and if he'd give me a nickel for every single one I picked up, I'd be retired still to this day. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks at it. I, I remember his jaw dropping. I'm not sure if it actually did. And he's like, how about lunch? And I was like, sure, let's go, dad. <laughs> yeah. So I, I learned a lot from him. And, you know, he was really a, a huge influence in my life in a lot of ways. But in, in that career move, he definitely was like, you're perfect for this position position. So I went down there and I interviewed and, um, you know, they gave me the, uh, a, you know, a tough go of it, but I ended up getting hired. And so picked up and moved to Des Moines, Iowa. And at the time was with Rachel. And, um, I said, Hey, I'm moving to Des Moines. I want you to come with me. Big, big, huge decision. You were not engaged. We were not you engaged, were just dating. Just dating. And, um, she followed me to her credit. So there must've been something about me. She liked something. What yeah. is it? What is she like? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I already said you were beautiful, so uh, you're going to have to come up with the next one. Okay. Well, she's seen me make a lot of pizza, so that must have sold it. It's, it's like, wow, he can make a lot of pizzas. Was Rachel pursuing a career career at that time? Yeah, so she uh, was working in mental health, so she's currently a children's therapist, um, and 
so she at the time was working with um, kids up in Minneapolis. I'm noticing a theme between you and Aaron here. It right? Seems like, Did, uh, have you caught the that her, yeah. her his wife and mm-hmm. my wife are very close? Yep. Yes. Now I'm getting it. They but are. They really. What I really understand is that Molly and Rachel both married children. Hence their careers, right? Thank you. And we get <laughs> free therapy because of it. So there are bonuses works out uh, well. uh, to them too. You know, the, Molly gets clothes, I get free therapy. Uh, so it works out. I'm not sure. What does Rachel get now? I mean, she doesn't get any pizza anymore, so. Well, she has two beautiful children. So. Good answer. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we have two beautiful children. <laughs> yeah. She has two beautiful children. I do not. <laughs> What's going on over there? So that was Des Moines. Yes. And she moved with you. She moved with me. And we spent about a year and a half there. And the whole idea was that the position is a training position. So you're going to learn everything you need to know about running a mall. And there's a lot to learn. And there's a whole like vocabulary about it. You know, what's BMR? What's, uh, you know, a GLA? All these different things. You know, what's your base minimum rent? What's your gross leasehold area? And so you learn the business and then you learn how to maintain relationships and you learn how, what you need to know. And so I remember getting a call one day, and I'm, I'm getting comfortable, right? We've been there for a year and a half. I'm getting kind of comfortable. Like, oh, I'm going to live in Des Moines forever. This is great. I love it. Um, <laughs> Des Moines is it's great, by the way. So if you've not been there, it's like a, what I call a mini Minneapolis. Mm. It's, it's all the great things about Minneapolis without all the drama. And I have said that for years. So it's not like a That's current sh- events thing, by the way. Be their sure. slogan. Um, but <laughs> Des Moines is fantastic. Um, we Population. By the way, uh, the, the, gosh, I don't even know anymore. Um, I'm going to pull it up. I think the trade area that we always quoted for the mall was like 550,000. Okay. So that's like Des Moines, West Des Moines, all the suburbs are on it. Jordan Creek is way out on the West side on, in West Des Moines. And actually there's a, a cool t-shirt uh, that I bought when I was down there at Shields. Cause there's a Shields at that mall. It says West Des Moines is the best Des Moines. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> 215,000. There you go. Oh, okay. So if you wow. go out, you know, many, many miles, um, you know, the whole trade area is, you know, just about most of Iowa that drives to Des Moines to shop at Jordan Creek. Um, so great mall. So she followed me down there and, and then one day I got a call and they're like, Hey, um, your training is done. You're great. You're awesome. Uh, you're going to go run your own mall. You're going to move to Casper, Wyoming or Augusta, Georgia. And I said, I don't know where either of those places are. Can you show that to me? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I was like, but wait, I don't get to stay here. I got, I want to move back to Minnesota. That's where my family's at. That's where our family's at. Um, so it was a really tough time um, for Rachel and I in our relationship I had just proposed to her like two months prior, two months prior to that phone call and, um, on my birthday in February. And then two months later I get a call, Hey, you're moving. And so we, um, ended up moving to Augusta, Georgia. Can I ask, why did you choose that over Montana? Uh, Casper, or, Wyoming. Or I'm sorry, Wyoming. Um, the property in Augusta was, was a better property, okay. frankly. Okay. Um, and that's kind of where they wanted You went and visited to. both though? Yeah. Well, no, I went to just Augusta and I, I kind of knew okay. just based on, it's a small industry. So, you know, kind of enough about every mall out there to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I knew the community and I was like, well, I'd rather live in the larger community. That's maybe got a little bit, you know, better fit for, for Rachel and I and our, our growing family. And so um, we moved to Augusta and, and 
also I'm a golf fan and the fact that mm -hmm. there was the Augusta national golf club there and they host the masters every yeah. year was really cool. And at the time I was super naive and I was like, this is great. I'm going to go to the masters every single year <laughs> and I'm going to be there in the front row and tiger and I are going to be best friends. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to give them tours at the mall. Right. After hours. Exactly. After hours. Hours. <laughs> yeah. And then I found out how hard it is to get a ticket and I was like, Oh, oh sad. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, picked up and moved to Augusta, Georgia, and um, uh, Rachel quit her job in Des Moines, and we moved to Georgia with just my job, and, and she started looking, and um, to her credit, because she's incredibly talented and amazing, she found a job very quickly, um, and she ended up meeting her, um, I think now one of her best friends, um, who we still stay very much in touch with, and we have visited um, pre-COVID, and we really desperately want to visit again. But um, uh, it's, it was a really good experience. Living down south was very different. And I think when Rachel first learned that we were going to move down there, she's like, I don't even know where Georgia is. I don't know what, what's, what's in Augusta. Like, it might as well have been a foreign country to her. And so we moved down there. It was, it was, it was a big challenge. Um, but she had a cousin who lived in Louisiana, grew up in Minnesota, moved to Louisiana, and he sent a very long but very kind email saying, hey, yes, it is a different culture. It is a different part of the world. But the people are super kind. You will have fun. I promise you will meet people. You will in enjoy yourselves. You'll find things to do. And, and you know, just go do it. Because if you don't do it now, you never will. So, and he was right. Well, yeah, I think uh, just having traveled down south, you can notice the yeah. difference in culture 100%. What would you say was like the most different thing that you experienced that was maybe a shocker or just sticks with you today still? So it was a big culture shift for me professionally because I ended up managing a team that was old enough to be my parents. <laughs> Seriously. So yeah. I had an administrative assistant and an operations manager that were um, in their fifties and sixties. And so that was a huge culture shift. I was 28 years old and I was the youngest mall manager in the company at the time of a company that had a hundred and I think at the time, 130, 130 malls. So general growth, right? General growth properties at the time. Yeah. Out of the Chicago, out of Chicago. And so that was a huge issue for, for me to just understand my role and, and developing my skills as a new leader. Um, but then just living in the community, uh, it was very different, um, just and not just the weather, as Minnesotans like to talk about. Um, but the culture was different. So, um, it, it, as most folks would expect, pretty conservative, um, but conservative in different ways. So conservative in the way they dress. Um, so when I worked at the mall, I, I wore a tie a lot, um, and that was just kind of how it is. Uh, down there, you'd wear a bow tie occasionally. Uh, I still have a closet full of bow ties. That I think you should break those out, by the way. I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. Um, but I don't see a lot of folks wearing bow ties in Mankato. Well, Aaron, it's time to bring it back, Andy. Yeah. And I'm I think we need to sell more at Jay Long's. I got really good at tying my own like actual bow ties. Oh, you Impressive. didn't have the kind. Oh, no. You if you're going to do it, like, yeah, do, you it. do it. Like, right. don't fake well, it. Geez, it's like right. the people that come in and ask for clip-on ties or clip-on bow ties or all that stuff. And well, I'm like, ties are different than bow ties, though. It's like buying those those khaki pants that like unzip at the knee and they turn into like cargo shorts. I didn't even know that so, was a thing. You never had those? <laughs> no. I don't I've remember the brand, those. but I remember those. Oh, I had. Those. those were great. <laughs> <laughs> it, as a clothing guy, I can just say that was a pretty genius idea. I wish I would have came up with it and made some good money back in the day. Cause, or the tearaway pants. 
Ooh. And oh, one tearaway yes. pants. I remember like those that. playing yeah. basketball as a kid. Shit. It's like, Mom, Dad, I need the tearaway I pants. Everybody else has them. Yeah. Why? So you can have sex faster? <laughs> <laughs> That's what my parents said to me when I asked for them. They must have known too well what I was into. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Flatter yourself, Aaron. Yeah, okay, fine. Just kidding. <laughs> Am I? So anything else uh, on the southern side? I, I kind of expected one of the obvious, like the, the speed of either talking or moving or doing things. You know what I mean? I expected one of those, but it, you haven't thrown one of those our way. Well, no, but I mean, there is that for sure. I mean, yeah. I think that the speed and, and urgency that folks work with is a little bit slower. Um, it's like, take your time. You know, it'll get done when it gets done. Yeah. There was some of that. I didn't experience a ton of that just because the team I worked with was so amazing, but you could see in other, other parts of the, of the community and other businesses. Um, it's just things were that way. The other thing is too, is like talking like the mannerisms of folks. Um, when you had somebody who was like a subordinate of you, you would not get a lot of eye contact. <laughs> they would look down a lot. And they wouldn't look at you. So it was a little bit different that, um, especially with older generation down there, you'd see a lot of that. Wow. Where when they're talking to you, if, if they perceived you as like a, a hierarch, like as being like higher than them in the Pick hierarchy, order, yeah, right? you wouldn't get a lot of eye contact always. That would be awkward to be talking to someone yes. twice, maybe even three times your age, you yes. know, and you're you're getting this kind of weird uh, non-eye contact avoidance yeah. style of communication. That would make it awkward for sure. The other thing is, you know, down south and and. Uh, at the time, I thought this was just a Southern thing, but I think it's true a lot of places is that it's it's hard to make a lot of good friends if you don't have kids, mm. if you're new to a place. So we have found that now having kids is that when your kids are a part of sports or ballet or whatever it is, you just develop friendships with, with other families. And that's where a lot of it is, even in your neighborhood. It's a natural in. You just It's a natural in, um, for sure. And so down South, you know, we didn't have kids at the time. So it was kind of like, where was your in and how did you develop friendships? And so a lot of it just came out of work. So Rachel's best friend from work ended up being, um, you know, a gal that she worked with and she is still good friends to this day. That's cool. That's really cool. How long were you guys in Augusta? We were there for three years. Three years. So a year and a half in Des Moines, Mm -hmm. approximately three years in Augusta. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? So we always wanted to get back to the Midwest. Uh, Georgia was a temporary thing always. And so once you kind of get to that level as managing your mall, you kind of have the opportunity to kind of, as positions open up, to move wherever you want generally. And so it was always like looking, where is the next place going to open up? And so we were thinking, let's move back to the Midwest. So shortly after Christmas 2016, we were looking to get back and we like really was urgently wanting to get back because we wanted to start a family. And um, things were complicated with that. Um, and so a position opened up in Milwaukee and we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll move back to Milwaukee. So we kind of started having those conversations. And then my dad calls me. He's like, hey, uh, I'm going to retire. I was like, oh, okay. So then it became a decision of, do we want to move back to Milwaukee or do we want to move back to Mankato? Because having, you know, that decision, it was like, well, do we want to be like really close to family or like five, six hours away, whatever the distance is. And we ended up deciding, hey, let's be close to family because if we want to start a family and we want to have kids, it's going to be really great to have grandparents right here in our backyard to help watch Built the kids. Babysitter, right? is that what you meant to say? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what he meant to say. He just... 
very political about it. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. We were very excited about our my parents to develop a very strong relationship with my kids. <laughs> See? There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Um, so we ended up uh, saying, hey, let's move back to Mankato. So I called up the the VP who was over the region at the time and said, hey, anybody interested in moving to Mankato? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's such I a know, right? I was yeah. like, you're a jerk. And what's funny <laughs> is that Jeff, his name, he was the original manager who opened up River Hills Mall in 1991. Oh. So he lived here for like a hot second. Sure. And then he moved on to other properties. And he at the time was living in Colorado. I think he's still there. I was like, well, hey, if nobody's interested in moving to, you know, a, a, a tundra climate, I am, you know, I'll come back. And he goes, oh, you want to start the Wilkie legacy? Yeah, <laughs> You're going to follow up Paul with you? I was like, yep. And so it wasn't a foregone conclusion for sure. It was not just a, hey, yes, cool handshake deal. I had to go through the whole process. Well, when you said your dad called you and said he was going to retire, you, when you're retelling the story, sounded surprised. Was he not at retirement age or was that a bit no. of a shock for you? No, he's, he was a young guy and he still is a young guy. He was 56. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is definitely. Or 55, I think. 55, 56, something like that. So Good for him. he just turned 60. Um, and so, I mean, super lucky guy to be able to make that decision. Yeah. Um, and, you know, lucky, but also planned well and prepared well. And so he could do this and make this decision. So I was a bit surprised. Um, but once we started thinking about it, it was like, well, we want to be closer to family. And I, you know, Mankato's great. If we want to start a, ki- a family and we want to have kids, you know, Mankato's is, is, you know, a great place to do that. No, that's that's a, a perfect story for how you got back yeah. and you boomeranged from yeah. the foreign land of the yeah. south back to you, the great city of Mankato. Before we get into talking about baby making, maybe we should talk about the oh number boy. one baby maker in my life, which is Chancaska. Ooh, that was beautiful, Wes. That was really, really good. I like that. Yeah, we want to take a moment to, of course, appreciate those who appreciate us, and that is our cool and amazing cocktail sponsor and wine sponsor and spirit sponsor all the above um on the get get deep podcast our uh, little um thing on our our logo right underneath it says premium spirits quality conversation and that pretty much sums up the get deep podcast and we get those premium spirits provided um very kindly from Jane casca everybody knows them for their wine uh they've got uh, delicious delicious wines uh, my favorite out there is the Marquette. The Marquette grape is a Minnesota grape, um, which was uh, actually uh, developed by the University of Minnesota to be a cold climate grape. Uh, so we really love, I really love Marquette for that reason. But what we're sipping on tonight, I'm not even sure what uh, Mr. Wilkie's sipping on over there, but I know myself, I am sipping on the uh, straight bourbon whiskey. What are you sipping on, Andy? Oh, I've got the straight bourbon whiskey. No, I've got the straight bourbon whiskey. Wait, who's got the straight bourbon, bourbon <laughs> what whiskey? What is going on here? Well, there's also a bottle of Ranch Road whiskey sitting here, too, a handcrafted small batch aged at least two years, and then we, of course, have the uh, straight bourbon like we talked about. Um, they're such a great place. They have great products, such a great place to visit, have a date night, bring a family out there. They've got live music. You can book a wedding out there. Um, what am I missing, Wes? Well, I don't know, but I'll just tell you it's fun to hang out. I had my buddy Jordan Powers come back up from Nashville, and I said, hey, what do you want to do after we're done with dinner? And we were talking about having cocktails. So we decided to go out to Chancaska because they had live music on, and there wasn't a parking spot available. That's how busy it was. So we ended up coming back the next afternoon because it was too good of an idea to skip out on. And it's just been a beautiful time to be out there right now. It's the weather's been time. awesome. Yeah. My other thing that I really love is their really sweet bonfire pit that they have. It's got uh, Vetter Stone. 
that cool uh, northern buff stone that you see around Target Field. That's in their, um, it, it surrounds their whole fire pit area. And so they light that baby up in the evenings when it's in the mid-50s, mid-60s, and it's just a gorgeous environment to have good conversations with people yeah. over a cocktail or a glass of wine. Anything you want to add on that, Andy? No, it's it's a great place. Uh, when I moved back to Mankato in 2016, I was very surprised, um, but super thankful for us to have such an amazing facility and just their whole um, business uh, and how it's kind of, become really popular within the entire state of Minnesota and the entire Midwest, which is really cool to see that those roots here in the Mankato area have kind of spread far and wide. Yeah. So it's the only alcohol that Andy will drink because they're a GMG member. uh, Absolutely. Yes. Yes. That is, that is true. hundred percent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's smart. And I would also just make it, it's, it's it's a fun place for families too. So these young kids that want to run around on the trails and kind of uh, get back into the woods and area and they've got the the bridges and the The creek. creek. Um, It's a cool place uh, for sure for families as well, which is weird for us to say that, you know, we're Minnesotans, but we, we, and and, you know, we embrace that lifestyle and we embrace uh, our kids uh, understanding it, but it's a really great place for families too. And once you've been on the property, you realize it's not that weird because it's just gorgeous. Absolutely. That family piece is a really great great segue back into look at that that's two good segues you're welcome yeah it's perfect you're setting us up um if you could tell us a little bit about your journey into fatherhood because i know that that wasn't exactly a straight line no um so my wife and i we got married in 2014 um so we are celebrating our eight-year anniversary here in just a couple weeks absolutely so if you guys have any great ideas for what i should get rachel for our (laughs) anniversary please how many years eight years so she's really good about like the themes. Okay. So like there's the paper and the wood and the whatever. Sure. I, I am not. Well, um, you, you nailed the wood part. You took care of that. Hey, look at you. <laughs> she had some work to do. You guys. <laughs> you didn't leave that one on the table. Nah, That's nah, I'm You're really welcome. All from this point. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling good now. So, so if you guys got I'm, any good ideas, I know a good retailer in you know the main ghetto area. They got all kinds of women selection. Hundred percent. So. Yes, absolutely. So what is eight year? What's that? Thing? I don't. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Google. <laughs> Someone Google it. Um, <laughs> so we got married yes. in 2014, and um, you know, we didn't start uh, trying right away, but we eventually did, and um, we started trying and kept trying and kept trying, and um, it um, was fun trying, but <laughs> eventually it was like, okay, um, something not right here. Um, and then I was like, are we doing it right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you start to, you know, I... I I always try and find the humor in things, which can be a little annoying for some folks, um, particularly my wife. Um, but it was, you know, it got to be a little Keeps bit like, sane. yeah. And so we kept trying and, and eventually it was like, okay, it's, it's been months here. Um, what's going on? So we started to think, okay, is, is there something going on? And so that's when we started seeing some doctors and with the time we were done in Georgia and, um, started seeing starts with your primary doctor and for Rachel, her OB and, and whatnot. And, and then you kind of, you know, start to develop some clues as far as what's going on. And it turns out that um, Rachel has endometriosis and that makes it very difficult for um, for us to get pregnant. One more time on that name. Endometriosis. Okay. Sorry. And um, so we started to see a fertility doctor. And so, again, more tests. And for guys, it's it's not bad. It, it's It's nothing. For women, it is terrible. It is awful. It is invasive. Um, and and so we went through that whole process, and um, thankfully we were together. But uh, we found out that due to this, um, you know, um, condition with Rachel, 
um, that she was going to have to have surgery to try to correct this. And um, she ended up having surgery and um, recovered from that, which it was invasive. We spent a couple nights in the hospital and it's not fun for sure. And then uh, we started trying again and, you know, we tried, you know, the old fashioned way as it was, but we also did some other things like IUI, um, which a lot of folks will call the turkey baster, um, which we, we did that a couple of times and nothing was working. Uh, And then at the time, then we were, this was spring of 2016 and we were moving back to Mankato and then we started seeing doctors here in Mankato and this was a few months post-op for Rachel and we had a doctor at the time who said, we're just very straight with us and said, you guys have to try IUI one more time. And if it doesn't work, you have to do IVF. And that was, that was a big gut punch for us. Um, and so we tried IUI and was not successful. And so we knew we had to do IVF, but that was kind of the last step for us. And we knew that if IVF didn't work, then our story and our family was going to develop in a different way. And so we were kind of scared, you know, for a lot of reasons, but one, because we wanted to have our own family. We wanted to develop our family as most people imagine it to be. Right. So that's the other piece too, is that we knew that we could have a family. It was just going to be a, a different version of what you expect. And so uh, we ended up um, looking into IVF. However, um, we realized that it was very expensive. Yeah. Insurance would not cover it. So we had to make a really difficult decision. We uh, ended up taking out a loan of um, $25,000 to help pay for IVF. Um, And we were still paying for that loan. And so we took out the money, wrote a check, and off we went. And so went through the process, and thankfully we were able to successfully pull some eggs out and um, get them fertilized, and uh, we placed one in uh, the first round and it was successful and so we ended up with our little girl um, who is perfect and amazing and awesome and she's about to turn five next month she's a beauty yeah that had to be such a relief i mean especially on the first egg too because i imagine that you would get pretty just distraught if if you made that kind of investment and the first time didn't take you would already be exacerbated right yeah and, and so it it at the time we had been for going at this for two years now and we, our luck was not with us. So most doctors only want to do one egg the first time. Um, but you know, we were so down, it was like, all right, well maybe we need to do two or three, you know, but then you run the risk of, well, if all three take now you got triplets yeah. and now it's complex. And now yep. you're worrying about problems on the other end of the spectrum, right. uh, yep. closer delivery. So that's like, no, we're gonna do one. If it doesn't work, then we'll talk about what the next step is. And he was right, obviously, um, and thankfully. So I think it's just it, pregnancy and, and childbirth is very complicated. And we learned very quickly that we were one of eight people or one of eight couples in the nation that struggles with fertility. And we learned that it is far more common. We Super. learned people very close in our in our lives, friends and family who dealt with the same issues. And it's not just getting trouble, having trouble getting pregnant. There's a lot of miscarriages um, and you know other problems that, that end up resulting out of it as well. And it's also not just females. So in our particular situation, we originally thought that it was sort of on, you know, it was a female factor. 
but we found out when we came back to Mankato that there was also some you know issues going on with me as well. So we kind of kind of both sides of the coin and, and issues that we were trying to manage. So it was really tough to reconcile all that and then have to worry about, okay, we got a plan of action, but how do we pay for it? Yeah. So that was because, a big issue. You know, the, the big $25,000 um, um, IVF bill, mm-hmm. but then you have the IUI, which you guys did twice, yep. which I believe if I remember, if, if I'm it's a couple correct, thousand dollars yeah, on top 2, of that, 2,500 bucks yeah. per time. So now you're 30 grand into the situation. Now you obviously, you have, it takes and you, you have your child and you mm-hmm. don't even, you really don't even think about the money after that takes, yeah. but at the same time, the risk and if, um, cause Molly and I had some of our, of our own struggles. Um, and f- thankfully we didn't have to go quite as far as you guys, but 50, 50 shot, even on the IVF. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. So you spend 25 grand and you get a 50, 50 shot that that's yeah. going to work. Flipping a coin. You're flipping a coin and it's, and it's tough. And, and you do realize through that process, you're absolutely right. When you said one in eight, a uh, couple struggle with that. It, mm-hmm. It's so many people in that, um, I guess you could call it a community that have infertility issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. And, and once you start talking about your story, you'll find other people that are in that same arena that can also uh, empathize with yeah. you on that. And man, it's, it's not, so, I guess I will just say, and I'm sure Andy would say the same thing too, that if people are struggling with that, um, don't totally keep it to yourself. No, you know, share your story with some other people. Cause chances are, again, somebody else might be going through the same thing and, and may just need to talk to somebody about it too. And it, it takes time and it, it's a mental toll and it, it was extremely mental on my wife and extremely mental on both of you guys too. Yeah. We're, we are very fortunate to have had each other. I think it, it made our relationship a lot stronger. We grew closer. Um, but we learned a lot about other people in our lives that maybe, like I said, had gone through it, but never shared. Um, so that's a big thing. We're open and honest about it. In fact, we have testified about it, um, in front of the Minnesota legislature, um, to, to cover IVF and other fertility related treatments. Uh, they're not currently covered by insurance. And so we're very open and we're on the public record about our, uh, how it worked for us. But a lot of families that spend tens of thousands of dollars, over a hundred thousand dollars or more, and it never works. And so now they're stuck not only with that debt, but they don't have, the happy ending like we had. And so right. that is, that is very tragic for sure. Um, but just the, you know, the, the whole subject of fertility is some sort something that folks just don't understand. You know, when you get married, a lot of folks will say, all right, you know, congratulations, time for the kids. And, you know, folks may not understand, well, maybe they've been trying mm-hmm. for months yep. or years and you're kind of twisting that knife now of, you know, they, they desperately want kids, but they can't. And so you you almost, you start to reprogram yourself of what to ask and what not to ask because you don't want to be insensitive. And I think it's a culture shift. So I think as the younger generation who, um, you know, understands this a little bit more and folks who experience it as well, they understand that and they say, Hey, you know, congratulations on your wedding. You know, I hope you and your family have a, have a great future, whatever that family looks like. Right. So, so this is, you know, obviously I'm a single dude, no wife, no kids. Really? No way. Are you I kidding think the me? listeners probably get oh, that by God. now. Get on it. Uh, I just, here's kind of my, my sentiment. My parents had a health condition arise with my sister when she was born. And it was probably a year in after she was born that there was a number of heart related conditions and complications. And 
Um, so they went through just this massive undertaking of hospital visits and was Molly going to make it or not, life or death kind of things, and just really big deal struggles very early on in their marriage. You both have kind of gone through versions of emotional stress related to children when it comes to your marriages. I, I just think about relationships in general, and you reach these pivotal moments, and those moments either make or break you, and it tends to oftentimes go one of those two directions. And it seems like for both of you, I've heard you both say it in the past, that that situation coming through that really made your relationship stronger. Would, would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. I think Rachel and I had a lot of really formidable experiences. One, this fertility, but also moving, you know, and living across the country away from any single soul we knew. Um, those two things really for us were, were really impactful for our relationship today. 100% agree. I mean, you, you do go through, whether it's fertility or, uh, in, or infertility, excuse me, or other situations. I mean, I look at a relationship as growth, just like you know, you're growing in your career, you're growing in life, you're getting older, you're getting wiser, uh, a relationship should progress. And so Molly and I are big believers in taking knowledge and wisdom from each situation, whether it's good or bad, and, and turning it into a better situation if we can. Um, and trying to also be grateful for all the things we do have, because it is very easy to fall into the trap of negative thought. And I mean, shit, there's a lot of negative thought that goes with that. It's it's hard. It's shitty. You know, most people think of themselves as fairly healthy individuals, and you also think about as a as a uh, a female taking birth control, right? So many females are on birth control, you know, from like 14, 15, 16 years old, mm -hmm. um, because you know they want to be safe, uh, and then it, people just think like, oh, you take that out for example, and you're going to get pregnant like instantly. And so there's a lot, it's not that way. It That's really the fairy that tale. It yeah. is the fairy tale. And so you take it out and you think, Oh, or man. the nightmare depending <laughs> on what your intention is. Right. And uh, there's different situations. Um, Molly had trouble, uh, ovulating, you know, obviously Rachel and endometriosis. Good so, job. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so there, there's different things that go on, but I, I guess without ranting about it, it's just, we, we big for us was trying to be, grateful for all the things we had instead of thinking about what we didn't have and mm -hmm. having patience for three hours. Our journey took three and a half years um, to get our son Remy and thankfully our daughter was a lot quicker, but um, it, it's, you really, it tests you. It totally tests you. And I hundred percent agree. We're stronger today for it. And when we have struggles, whether it's with work or other things that go on in our lives, we always are like, this is such a drop in the bucket comparative to what we went through with that. So, um, Thank you for asking that question, Wes. No problem. Taking uh, a slightly different direction, we talked about health a minute ago. Um, Andy. Yes, sir. You had mentioned previously in other conversations that you became a big runner. Yeah. I know we talked about sports earlier, too, but running changed your life. Yeah. You lost some weight. I, I don't know the full story. I just know the cliff notes. Fill me in. So, uh, like I said earlier, I played a lot of sports in high school and growing up. And so I was always doing something, you know, continuously. I maybe would have a month off all year long. It's very active. But then once you get to college, now all of a sudden you're not, you know, playing sports always. You know, intramurals is not really playing any sports. It's just having fun. And then all of a sudden you're drinking a few beers and you're having like a, a lot of forge pulley burritos a day. You know, and it's just, you just lose that routine and it all just slowly starts to add up. Um, and so I, I got to the point where we had our daughter 
and um, we were a year or so um, into that, and I did not feel well. I was um, uh, health was starting to suffer. Um, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, uh, which was crazy for me to have to think about when I'm in my mid thirties, and uh, I didn't look well either. So my uh, nephew had just been born and took a picture with him. And then I'm looking at the picture. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that doesn't look right. I, I didn't feel healthy. I didn't look healthy. And then, um, right around that time, um, a, a gentleman who had a very big influence in my life, uh, passed away, Jonathan Zier. Um, and I, I don't remember grieving for his loss. I remember grieving for the opportunity missed but it really made me take stock of what am I doing to make sure that I'm around for my daughter and that I'm doing to, to have that longevity. You said opportunity missed. Could you maybe elaborate on that? So I, uh, when I moved back to Mankato in 2016, one of the first phone calls I got was from Jonathan, um, Jay-Z, as I called him, and many people did. And he's like, Andy, welcome. We got to get you involved. I was like, great, awesome, thanks. Um, but I... Uh, was really appreciative of that opportunity. And, you know, I later learned that, you know, is probably something Jonathan did with a lot of folks, but he took the time and it and meant something special to me. And, um, and so I had always wanted to develop a, a stronger relationship with him because I was still a very young and new leader. And I felt like there was a lot of uh, more mature and experienced leaders I could learn from. And, and Jay-Z was one of them. And so I had always wanted to learn from him and be around him and just absorb his energy. Um, which I think a lot of folks think his energy was just, it was off the charts. Amazing. Right. It and it was something me, I just you know. wanted to absorb as much of it as I could. And I didn't get that opportunity um, because um, he left us um, tragically, obviously. Um, and so it really made me take stock of, okay, what am I doing to make sure that I don't have any more of these types of regrets? And so my health suffering, I said, you know what? Every single day I walk out of the mall and I walk across the parking lot and I get in my car and I look out and I stare at Planet Fitness. It's right across the street. It's literally within walking distance. I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to duck out of work a little early or around for my lunch, go over there and just walk on the treadmill. So March of 2019, I, I'd do that. I'd go over there two, three days a week, walk on the treadmill for a half hour. Did that for a little while and became a little easier so i'd walk a little longer and then that became easier and then i'd walk and then i'd run and then i'd walk and then i'd run and then i'd run and maybe take one little walking break and all of a sudden i'm running and um and i really took stock of what i was eating and so i also started to think about okay how much am i actually consuming so you start to add it all up you start to track it and this is it was just i needed to know where i was at and so then when you start to track it and you start to look at where you're at you're like oh my gosh like this is, you know, not going to work out well for me if I don't make some changes. <clears throat> so I started, like I said, walking, watching what I was eating uh, and st stopped eating like a college student because I was still stuck in that world. You know, and living down south had not done any favors to me either. Sure. Um, sweet tea is amazing. <laughs> you also I, have I love food it. courts in every mall. Yeah. Easy so access. that's the other thing. So. You know, I, I was with my doctor at the time too, and I was like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel healthy. And he's like, well, what do you eat for lunch? And I was like, well, you know, I usually just go out and grab something in the food court. And he's like, great. So you're probably having a thousand calories for lunch every day. Like, I don't know, sure, whatever. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and he's like, well, if you were to go home and make a sandwich and have something this and that, you're probably going to have five, six hundred calories. Like, okay. 
It's like if you have a 500 calorie deficit every day for a week, you'd lose a pound because 3,500 calories is a pound. And I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of crazy to think about that. So that's what I did. I started packing a lunch. I'd bring a lunch and working out. And all of a sudden, the weight just started to fall off. And um, it was kind of easy, but what I learned was consistency. So it was just you had to keep at it every single day. And so uh, eventually um, I started running and running on the treadmill is terribly boring and I hate it. And so then I started running outside. And so I started walking on the treadmill in March of 2019 and I ended up running the Mankato Half Marathon in October of 2019. And I had lost at that point um, 60 pounds. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nice job. Yeah. So um, my blood pressure came down. I felt like I was, and this is, again, the big issue is is being around my daughter and making sure that I was around for her. So I I felt like I was in a better position to to just be around for her longer. Um, Lost a little bit more weight, but, you know, it's, as with everything, it it ebbs and flows. And, you know, um, we had our son uh, just last year. And so finding a routine to keep into, um, uh, with two kiddos running around is tougher. So, you know, you, you keep working at it. So, uh, it's, it's a journey for sure. You mentioned before the podcast, you for lunch ran five miles. I, I said to Andy, you know what I had for lunch was some fried tater tots and some cheese on them. Cause we're working on some new menu items at Zan's, but, uh, Ooh. I mean, that's a bit of a difference in, in lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I, what I love though about your story is that you started out walking. Yeah. And uh, that's, a, I think, a distinction that a lot of people just totally skip over. They sure. jump right into, oh, I'm going to become a runner, because that's what no. Andy Wilkie did, or no, if, whoever the other success story is, right? If you go out and just start running, you will hurt yourself, and you'll not ever want to run. Yeah. 100%. And I probably did that a couple of times. So, you know, between college and when I started kind of my running, um, you know, I would kind of try and run here and there, and you'd, you'd run, you're like, oh, I feel great, I'm going to go longer, I'm going to go longer, and all of a sudden, you go too long, and then you hurt yourself, and then you just don't do anything for months at a time, and so I did that several times um, until I could really find that routine. Well, and I'm not saying that this was your case, but especially if you're a bigger guy, if you've got weight on you, um, joints are not no. made to take that kind of impact over and over again, especially not with some yeah you know you got to build up callous endurance all of that so yeah and i, I would also say you know i had a, a good friend in my life uh sean uh, who i met in college and you know he's he's always been kind of a couple years ahead of me and so he really kind of got into um, he got into his own health and his own fitness and um you know he was always encouraging me to hey you got to come do this race with me or do that race i'm like eh, no i don't want to do that I, I don't feel great and he's like, yeah, that's why you need to come out and do this with me. And finally, I started doing that. And, and um, you know, he was like, welcome to the club. It's so. so much easier when you, like, you were talking about the, you know, the walk before you run situation, the crawl before you walk, yeah. you know, all those things. Um, start start getting that momentum that, you know, going. It's so important to do that because mentally, um, if people are listening right now and they're like, shit, I got to get myself back in shape, which I go, I ebb and flow too. And I used to be a cross country and track runner back in the day um, for high school and college. And I'm trying to get back into doing it right now. Actually, you just got to go out and do something every day because mentally it's the biggest thing is not necessarily the physical part. It's the mental part of getting out there and doing something for yourself because you feel better Mm -hmm. about it. You feel better about yourself. You get some of the endorphins going. Um, and then all of a sudden you show up the second day and maybe Mm -hmm. you take a day off in the middle of the week on a Wednesday and maybe you get back to it on Thursday. That's fine. As long as, my, my thing is do it more days a week 
than not. So if you can get yourself into a habit of doing four days a week where you go out and walk a couple miles or a mile even, just get started and yeah. start feeling better because once you start feeling better, you can do, you, you just feel great and then the rest kind of comes. But people want to go zero to 60 because the culture we live in, we live in America. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful Instant country. gratification, we right? We want the instant gratification. We want to go zero to 60 because we watch, you know, 300 and we want to look like that Spartan. <laughs> and well, the reality is the guy who looks like that Spartan has been doing consistency for three years. So you just need to start small steps, baby steps, keep going, drink yeah. some fucking water. <laughs> And drink some drink, drink a lot of water, drink a lot of water, but it's a huge part of it, too. And I would also add, just you know, Aaron, you and I with families take advantage of the opportunity to, to be outside and, and, and be yeah. active with your family. Yeah, so, you guys go to go for, go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go to the park, uh, go for a hike, do do anything you can to get outside, get outside and build a snowman in the middle of the wintertime. I mean, how many of us went out and do that and we come inside and we're sweating, yeah, but you think that you're getting wet from the snow, uh uh-uh, uh, you're, you're yeah, you're hot from you know, working hard out there, so doing things, take those opportunities to just you know, mow the lawn, whatever it is. Yeah, 100%. Solid advice. I got to swallow some of that medicine myself. It'd be good to get a little more active and get out there, especially now that it's nicer out. Thank God for that. Huh? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the family, it, it's the consistency has always been the key for me, you know. And so it's like I'm always going to run on these days at this time. But then as you have a family, it gets tougher. So sometimes you have to run at 5 a.m. Sometimes yeah. you run at lunch. Sometimes you run after work. Sometimes you don't. Well, and that's okay. You got to be flexible with it. And the other thing is if you fall off the, the wagon a little bit or one day or you, you know, decide to have something come up because your buddy texts you and wants to go have a couple cocktails yeah. and you decide that you're not feeling like running that next morning, don't let the whole thing derail. Just get back on the train yeah. the next day or that evening. Give yourself some grace. One day is not going to ruin it for you. The other thing I will say is I have an incredibly supportive wife who uh, definitely um, uh, carries a a lot of burden with just our family and, you know, a, a lot of the... Of, of my running. So when I'm going out on the weekends and doing a long run, I could be gone for two hours. Um, and she's at home wrangling two kids. Um, so her support and, and, and her, um, encouragement, quite frankly, um, means the world to me and I would not be where I'm at without her. So very thankful for having such an amazing and supportive wife. Andy just right. Ra- just, just racked up just a ton of points now. With oh, yes. Rachel and We've home. got a, uh, a, a meter behind us, and Andy is almost <laughs> the top, so we'll see if he can get there by the end of this podcast. <laughs> no, that's good. You mentioned uh, trying to figure out workouts around work. I think yeah. now's probably a good time to talk about work. Um, greater Mankato Growth. Yeah. How did that transition happen? You, you were in the mall business. You were at the top of the game <laughs> locally, oh, right? You yeah. were running the show. <clears throat> Um, and I feel like I'm leaving stuff on the table because there's so much more that we could dive into into the mall side of things. But oh yeah, um, how did how did that transition happen and why did it happen? So as I talked to you about earlier, Jay Z had called me in 2016 and said, "You got to get involved." So I got involved initially um, with Greater Mankato Growth as a part of their public affairs committee in 2016. Um, and at the time, Patrick Baker was doing their government relations public affairs work, and so I did that for a little while. And then Jonathan's like, "Great, awesome." Um, we want you to join Visit Mankato. So I was on the Visit Mankato board and I did that for, I think a year or two. And then they're like, all right, cool. Um, so we want you to be chair now. So and then I'm chair of Visit Mankato. So I'm chair of Visit Mankato. I'm on the public affairs committee. And then in, uh, gosh, what was it? Um, spring of 21, now April, I get a call and uh, I'm told that Brookfield at the time, so GMG or um, uh, General Girls Properties became Brookfield. Brookfield was selling Reynolds Mall. 
And so I really had to make a decision of what do I want to do? Do I want to stick around with the mall? Do I want to work for the new ownership? What's that going to look like? Is it going to be the same type of job? Is it going to be a different expectation? And am I really doing what I love? So I ended up in the mall business just kind of, you know, based on, um, you know, the, the issues with the recession and it kind of aligned a little bit with what my passions were, but you know, maybe not hundred percent. And so over time, when I was working in the mall business, I really carved out a niche with government relations. So I was one of those few mall managers that knew how to talk to public officials because not everybody does. You know, how do you address the mayor? You know, how do you address the state representative? Uh, how do you talk to them? What's it look like when me working at the house? I understood that. And so I really had to take stock when the mall was selling is like, am I doing what I love? And I realized that maybe there was a different opportunity. So I started calling around to folks that I had developed relationships with and said, Hey, the mall is going to sell. I don't know if I'm going to stick around. What should I do? And, you know, I had a lot of great conversations with a lot of people. And one of which was Jessica Byer, who's president and CEO at uh, Greater Mahito Growth. And her and I were talking and they, GMG was in transition. Patrick Picker had left um, and the public affairs role was open. And they also had another uh, individual who had left who had kind of done the economic development and business development role. So there was an a opportunity for, for somebody to slide in and do this work. And so I'm talking to Jessica and Jessica was like, light bulb moment, gosh, you should come work for me. Um, and so we started talking, we had a couple informal conversations and uh, eventually um, sat down with her and said, hey, I really want to make this happen. I want to be the advocate for Mankato and GMG and our members. And I really love that work. It's a passion for me. So in August of uh, last year, uh, August of 21, um, I was came on board with GMG to be director of public affairs or director of business development and public affairs. Uh, See, you messed up on the title too. So right. you gotta give me a little bit of slack <laughs> on that. Well, and you referenced earlier Visit Mankato, yeah. which I, I think is a, a good lead in on that. But for those that maybe aren't as familiar with the GMG organization and all that it entails, could you give us a quick overview of GMG, Visit Mankato, City Center Partnership, Green yeah. Team, and how all of that works? Sure. I think some people don't know. So uh, Greater Mankato Inc. Uh, it encompasses four business units, one of which is Greater Mankato Growth, which is the chamber, uh, typical chamber of commerce activity that happens. But it also includes Visit Mankato, which is the tourism destination management organization. Also is City Center Partnership, which is your downtown development. And then Green Seam. You know, Green Seam came out of 2016, and it really is trying to position our region as the epicenter of agriculture. We are the Silicon Valley of agriculture, as we like to put it. Um, really a focus on the ag development, education, and economic development. So those are the four business units. But then we also are involved in RITA. RITA is the Regional Economic Development Alliance, and that is a partnership of five cities and two counties to help promote our region together as one, to collaborate. It's better when we all are, are, are um, trying to advertise the region and promote the region as a, a whole and as a partnership than doing it individually. Collectively, we're stronger than we are individually. City-wise, that's Mankato, North Mankato, St. Peter, Eagle Lake, and yep, Lake Crystal? and Lake Crystal, and then Blue Earth and Nicola Counties. Okay. Um, so you've already got the political science background, yeah. right? You've got the government affairs side of things. Uh, there's the business development side, which obviously you have experience in when it comes to the mall, because you had to work with larger tenants and talk to national chains and, and do a fair amount of work when it came to relationship building with these potential tenants for the mall. Um, 
what are the similarities and what are the, the learning curves that you've kind of run into so far? Yeah. So at the mall, you'd always get someone walking in the office saying, Hey, I want to rent space. Like, great. What's your business? Well, I want to sell widgets. And it's like, okay, well, awesome. Well, somebody else in the mall already sells the widgets. <laughs> um, so what's going to set you apart? So you're constantly in a lot of ways coaching people of what it's going to look like. You know, they always walk in, I want to open a store. How much is rent? It's like, well, that depends. <laughs> <laughs> how big is your space? What are you selling? What are your sales going to be? How long do you want to be here for? Do you need any uh, cash up front to build up your store? You know, tenant improvement dollars. Um, so there's a lot of factors. And by the time you get done uh, kind of with that spiel, you know, their eyes are wide and their jaws on the floor and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was this complicated. And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, we've got some other options for you as opposed to a storefront. Why don't you put you on a cart for the holidays? You can sell your widgets. And if it goes well, then we'll talk about something down the road. So I was always kind of involved in, you know, what does it take to be a successful business? So how that translates into what I'm doing now is that I get to develop relationships with our businesses in our community and talk about what they're doing and how they want to grow, how they want to expand, uh, and also focusing on trying to keep them here. And so uh, in a lot of ways, I'd say I, I speak their language because I've done it with toppers, with the mall. And so I understand a lot of their, not, their wants and needs, not all of them, because there's a lot of nuances, but I have that experience to understand like what their wants and needs are. Um, and so I think that that's really the, the biggest piece. Um, can you give us maybe a quick synopsis of where the Mankato marketplace is in comparison to other similar MSPs across the Midwest? What our maybe best strengths are in comparison to those and, and maybe some things that we could improve on? Yeah, so there are 384 metropolitan statistical areas in the country uh, that's msas uh, mankato is in the you know the bottom part of that size wise population wise however we punch above our weight as we like to say when it comes to gdp workforce participation um, medium household income and frankly just quality of life which is harder to manage or harder to harder to measure um, but there's a lot of that going on. We also like to compare ourselves to other similarly sized uh, college communities. So we have a significant college um, uh, population here in Mankato, and we stack up really well when it comes to those other college communities, um, when it comes to all those metrics. I like Mankato. Yes. Not to mention, it's there a is a place. really fantastic like men's and women's lifestyle shop up on, on Madison <laughs> Avenue. You're that too kind. They, they sell all kinds of great things for you and the family. For me and for you and the entire human race. And they also have fantastic... I don't even know that song. Michael Jackson. They also have fantastic videos that they post online, which are just really high quality oh, and well, hilarious. You know, so. we don't need to... Okay, let's talk about it. That's all <laughs> the talent. You, you won't feel any smarter after you watch Jay Long's videos, but you will laugh, hopefully, a little bit. Not a dollar Brighton store. Not a dollar store. <laughs> I think it's one of the best videos <laughs> on the dollar store. Yeah, it's good. Um, no, I think it's uh, I think it's cool that you're able to bridge that gap. You know, you with all the experience you've had, and it's got to be enjoyable for you. Um, obviously, I know when you come into the sh the shop and buy clothes, we have conversations about business and what you're doing now, which is great. But I think the role that you're doing right now, Andy, is perfect for you. I, I think bridging that gap with all the experiences that you've had leading up to this, um, you are able to speak the language from the political side of it to the business owner side of it to. Um, the background and the experience and the sweat and toil of running yeah. toppers with your family. And even though it was a franchise and it, it wasn't, 
a you know a business that was necessarily your family. It's not an independent type no, deal. But which, you had that experience of doing yeah. it. It was a family owned and operated mm-hmm. operation. I mean, all of that experience leads you to where you are now, which is why I always appreciate conversations with you because you you've got a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom, and and uh, it's 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 cool. I think it's great that you're back here and and being a part of the community and the role that you have now. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, Can I have that five dollars now? Only Six, five? Oh, okay. Seven. That's good. Can you break a twenty? <laughs> nah, just give me the twenty. I'm worth it. I, it would always uh, surprise tenants at the malls, particularly food court tenants, when they'd walk in and say, Hey, sales and layout traffic and what are you doing to help me, Mr. Mall Manager? And I'd say, Well, um, I open the doors uh, and I unlock them, turn the lights on and clean the tables. What are you doing to help yourself? Amen. And then I'd start talking about what's your food cost? What's your labor cost? What's your marketing plan? And they'd start going, oh my gosh, this guy knows what he's talking about a little bit. <laughs> right. And they'd say, well, I, I don't know what my food costs are. I'm like, why not? Like, what are you paying for your chicken? What are you paying for your flour? And and so having that, a little bit of that inside knowledge, um, you know, would kind of help help me kind of, you know, uh, you know, earn their respect, but then also help them kind of maybe think about things they hadn't thought about. It's like, Hey, I'm just going to open up a shop. It's everybody's dream, right? I want to open up a restaurant and I'm going to sell stuff and it's going to be great. Everybody wants to do that. Most folks, it's a bar, right? Right. Um, but then they think about, gosh, I got to manage food costs. I got to manage, you know, your labor costs. I got to manage your people, um, managing people. And are they going to show up on time if I'm not there? No, they're not. No. (laughs) Answer to that question. Yeah. And so you text them at, you know, 10 in the morning and say, Hey, why isn't your store open? They're like, shoot, sorry. You know, so-and-so was supposed to come in and they did yeah well you end up being uh you know you want all your tenants to be successful so you end we up do becoming a business consultant and you just have to help guide these folks through hey are you doing the right things and absolutely it's not that you know more it's just here's here's what i can do to help you is point out maybe some of the things that you can improve on so mm-hmm. um i would to go maybe a little bit deeper down the mall route for just a second the we've had this conversation before the big tenants Right, the uh, the seers mm-hmm. of the world are the former seers, not around What's anymore. What seers again? I, right. yeah. I feel like I've heard of them. Is seers <laughs> Roebuck? Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the anchor stores, yeah, they're called yeah. the anchors, right? They don't yeah. really keep the lights on for you guys, as far as they're not actually normally paying tenants, right? Is that something we can talk about? Or yeah, am I sure. Breaking some rules. No, um, I think the original sort of shopping mall model that came out of the seventies and eighties was that if you had two or three major department stores. Um, you'd put at either end of the property and you could fill in all the space in between because those anchor department stores were the big drivers of traffic. Um, you would not um, necessarily get a lot of money out of them, um, but they would drive traffic so that you could um, uh, fill the rest of the space. That's not true anymore yeah. um, it, it, for most malls is that a lot of malls, it's the tenants inside the property that are really driving the traffic. So the Lululemons and the H&Ms and yep. all of those other smaller shops are driving a lot more of the traffic. Um, and so you're just thankful to have the spaces occupied in a lot of cases. Now, River Hills, it's a little bit different. Target and Shields um, do very well, and they're very um, strong uh, stores. Um, but you've seen others like Sears and Herbers and Penny's flounder. And so it's kind of thrown upside down. I imagine it's probably changed since you were in the saddle to a certain extent, but could you give us a, maybe an idea of what like an average rent would be for a kind of 
maybe just average space, you know? Well, for the department stores, typically what would happen is that when you would build a mall, you would own the entire property and then you'd say, hey, you know, large anchor tenant, we want you to come here and we will give you the space. We'll give you uh, the land for nothing. And we'll cut you a giant check for millions of dollars to build a store. And we just want you to be open for a long, long time. And, you know, and you pay us a small common area maintenance fee, um, which is just to plow the snow and mow the grass and stripe the parking lot. Um, but don't worry about paying us rent. Not a big deal. You know, you just own your space and be open. Great deal for them. Right? Great deal for them. Because the idea was that they were going to drive lots of people to the mall and then, you know, your other shops would would uh, would would pay more rent. Um, and so <clears throat> it kind of depends. So those department stores in most cases wouldn't pay a lot of rent. Uh, in other cases, they we would own the store and they would pay us back over time. Sort of, we would be the bank of the mall, and they're kind of borrowing from us to to build the store. But then inside the mall, it would vary widely. Um, depends on the size of the space. Like I said, what they're selling, what their sales volumes are, and how long they're there. So it could vary from you know a couple thousand dollars a month to tens of thousands of dollars a month, depending on the size of the store and what they're selling and what they're doing. Um, but there's also other options. So there's kiosks, there's carts throughout the mall, which are, you know, a much better value in a lot of cases for new businesses and entrepreneurs to get started. So you can get started for a few hundred bucks, um, come in and test out a product or an idea. And if it works great, now you can graduate to an actual storefront. Kind of incubator style. Exactly. That's smart. So we always, we'd always push this, be your own boss. Yeah. You know, Hey, you have an idea or thoughts or your product you're developing in your garage come out here, sell it during the holidays and, and see if it's successful. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes it is. I would say the food court never seemed to ever have any vacancies, really. It was always pretty well full in comparison to other parts of the mall. Is that because there was just a lot of demand for restaurants to be there? Because I know it wasn't cheap. Yeah. So uh, the, the food court has been pretty well occupied. There's always been a couple of um, uh, vacancies here and there. But when I left, um, it was fully occupied and uh, every single tenant in the food court was locally owned or a locally owned franchise. Um, so you're helping a family like ours when we open toppers um, that lives here in Mankato. Um, maybe they're selling under a franchise tag, but they're a family that lives here in this town and they've invested their blood, sweat and tears and resources and treasure to, to open up that store. Last question I got on the mall front. Sure. Because uh, I'm just curious. I had a favorite store growing up. Uh-huh. And uh, it was it was pocket change. Yes. And I first yes. of all, I want to know what the story is why pocket change isn't around anymore. But then I want to Ar know any arcades around anymore. Uh, yeah, but it was such a good one. It was the best. It always seemed like there was kids around there. You know, it always Saturday tradition for our family. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Yeah, uh, I don't know the story of why it's not there anymore, but I would just probably say generally arcades in general. Um, oh, it's just a tough business to be. In. I agree, but now you can go to great places like Wow Zone in Mankato, and you can yeah. you know yeah. uh, get a lot of that same experience, and you can bowl and do kinds of other fun stuff. So yeah, yeah. That's, no, true. that's true. But I was going to ask, what was maybe your guys's favorite store in the mall, whether it was current, like it's still around, or past tense. Aaron, you go first. Well, I want to hear this. I mean, uh, the, yeah, this no, is, honestly, this for the for the right? for my young age, like my elementary school um, years, my young years, it was pocket change for sure. That was See? Part, it was part of our family tradition. Uh, like pretty much every Saturday, I had a we go up there, there and hit up the food court and go to pocket change and blow a ton of money. And uh, it would allow my parents to go do a little shopping on their own. 
because we could we were old enough to kind of hang out. Um, my brother, older brother Andy, and and I would keep a a uh, an eye on our little brother Derek, and we made it happen. So uh, as I got older, I would say Foot Locker. Um, <laughs> you know, they had yes. all, all the cool shoes, like the Frank. Yeah. I remember buying some Frank Thomas. You remember that throwback baseball player Frank Thomas shoes? And so uh, it was Jordans for me. Um, and uh, some other just athlete shoes. So I always loved that. And then, of course, today, if, if I don't get something from my store, uh, then it's I love Shields. I yeah. mean, Shields, I go in there, and that's that's a place I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go buy that uh, Minnesota Wild hat that I want that I saw they posted. And I go in there, and 600 bucks later, I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but they're great. They uh, they provide a, a really cool, uh, cool space with a lot of different uh, product lines. Yeah. Andy? Shields is definitely on top of my list for sure. Um, you know, they are still a privately run, family run business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we are very um, fortunate here in Mankato to have a Shield family member Brandon. running our store, Brandon. I'd love to get him on here, by the way. He's great. Um, you know, and it's just a great story to, to think about. There's still, um, you know, his family is still very much involved in running that store. And so they can make decisions for their store and their company that is not tied to quarterly earnings. And that's where a lot of retailers get in trouble is what does my quarterly earnings look like? And so we can go off on a tangent on that, but it, it really, you know, handcuffs a lot of retailers because, you know, what do their earnings look like? Um, you know, public versus private. Exactly. And so that really hamstrings them. So you might have a golden child one quarter and, and, and just be fantastic. And then the next quarter not. So they're expanding and doing well. And they're also um, partnering with my other favorite store, which is Massad's, um, where I have had more shawarmas in my life than I can count. <laughs> so good. But that's a cool partnership where the shawarmas at Massad's are being sold in, I think it's like 30-ish Shield stores yeah. uh, across the country. Um, and so that's really cool to think that folks that in another state are getting a, uh, a sandwich or a shawarma that has been, you know, that was born here in Mankato. Yeah. Najwa should be sponsoring us because I think outside of Zans and Jay Long's, the shawarma comes up on this podcast. Almost just, always. Just about every episode. I had um, shawarmas catered to my high school graduation. That's amazing. <laughs> Good move. <laughs> I, and, and we got way I more than we needed. Cheese sandwiches now look terrible we got way more than we needed but uh i ended up having shawarmas for about a week afterwards and so i was sweating garlic and yeah had to go through about three toothbrushes (laughs) it was fantastic so i I love that tie two family businesses coming together and just kind of expanding and kind of quietly under the radar but once they're in a community yeah people see it and they recognize it and they appreciate it i love it what business could we get cheese chilitos like that whole partnership with with Shields and, oh. and Massage. Oh, Where could the Cheese Cholito be and yeah. what business could you partner with, Wes? Do you have any ideas right hmm. off the, the cuff there that could work for you guys and your business model? You know, we've we've thought about doing like quick stop versions of the, the Zans, like either being like an add-on to, you know, a gas station feels like the wrong fit, but at the same time it's a greasy food, so it kind of is the right fit, right? right. But uh, I don't know if there's a natural retailer partnership would that work at like Valley Fair? You, think you could open like a pop-up shop at like a Valley Fair. Like so who the, wouldn't love to just... Yeah, the current concept that we would love to do, and I fully intend at some point in my lifetime to try and probably hate myself for, is to do the State Fair. State Fair, yes. yes. So that will eventually, as long as they let us in, yeah, that yeah. will eventually be something that I regret fully because it's such a nightmare to do that. Oh, for, sure. 
you know, such a short period of time, so much work, so yes. much volume of business, but right. it would be also fantastic. The booths are pretty expensive too. I'm not exactly sure what the most inexpensive booth is, but they I charge remember. by the, the frontage foot. Um, and it's, it's like a ridiculous rate. I have a friend up here, Casey, who is in the caricature business yeah. and he's got friends that do caricature booths there. Sure. And if it's the same thing for food, they charge by the frontage foot plus some sort of base rate. And then I think they might even get like a small commission. Like they just make off of sales. They make a killing. It would be called, that would be called overage. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. So yeah. There's a mall so, term for yeah, it. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Got to have a lot of uh, ways to make money in the mall business. Ooh, so yeah. it's uh or any uh, developer landlord business, whether it's in a mall or on a storefront mm-hmm. on a main street, um, a lot of times your rent would be tied to your sales. And if your sales far exceed expectations, okay, now the landlord wants like a little cut of that. Um, yep. So Because a landlord, the only thing they have to sell is space. Well, that's a big thing that the Mankato Place Mall does with their hospitality-focused businesses. I, I know the government agencies down there are mm-hmm. you know, more of a flat rate, but if you're a bar or restaurant, that's sometimes you're, they organize it as strictly on yeah sales. so percent in lieu so in yeah. percent in lieu of base minimum rent so yeah. sometimes your rent is purely calculated based on your sales yeah and which let, is a risk for a landlord because if yep. they have zero dollars in sales you have zero dollars in rent well and let me be very clear i don't know the circumstances but i know that blue boat is leaving the yes. mankato place mall and this axe throwing business is moving in and i'm pretty confident just knowing how that mall is managed that that's a percentage of sales you know they're, they're taking a calculated bet that they're going to do quite a bit of business with an axe throwing business down there, which I think <laughs> in a college town. I've done it. Have you done it? I have not done it. Have uh, you done it, Wes? I have. I've done it okay. once. So have I. And it was up in the cities and it was actually pretty fun. Um, I laugh only because I think of Mankato and. Oh, um, you know, there's going to be some national write up for some kid getting hit with an axe. And the kids down there. And, and I was one of them at one time. And I just, I'm, I'm laughing because I'm just wondering how that's all going to pan out. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to get back in the national spotlight. That's our goal. <laughs> Always to be. You know, sometimes, what do they say? Even negative publicity is good publicity. Sure, <laughs> sure. Something like that. Andy, put on your GMG hat. Yeah. Andy, Andy, Andy has nothing to say. <laughs> yes. Look at him. He's like, can we turn this off? Yeah. Here's how I feel. Uh, GMG, that's the, the topic we jumped off of for a second. If you could give us maybe another overview, too, of some of the things that are coming in the pipeline. As a board member, I know about some of the strategic planning that's going on. Yes. I don't know how much you can share at this point because I, I know that there's a lot of behind the scenes before it becomes more of a public process. Um, but we're in this this phase of like we had envisioned 2020, mm-hmm. right? And now we're in a place where we need to, what does the future hold? We need to develop another plan like that. Yeah, so it's really exciting. Uh, so that's one of the things that I'm excited about. So uh, a couple of things. One, uh, GMG is hosting a Greater uh, Mankato Real Estate Summit next week, um, which is really exciting because it's a way for us to talk about our community and talk about all the great things that are going on. But as it relates to strategic planning, we can talk about why our success is not by accident. It is intentional. So we as a community have come together at least twice, one with Envision 20 and then prior to that for Act 2000 to, to really come together as a community business, um, you know, the private sector, the public sector, nonprofits, and really intentionally think about what do we want our community to look like down the road. So 5, 10, 20 years from now. And so we're really embarking on that process again. 
Envision 2020 was was good, and we achieved a lot of those those uh, milestones. And the community has grown, and it's 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 uh, evolved, and, and it's all moving in the right direction. So, what's next? So, how do we want to get together? So, GMG is a part of that process, and um, uh, many of our public partners are and private partners are also a part of that process. And so, we're just starting to get the ball rolling with this uh, to get everybody together and set the table, as it were, so we can start to think about what do we want to happen. So. Uh, it's really exciting, and I think that that's an opportunity for us to brag about us. So we we do these things intentionally. A lot of communities, it happens by accident. Or you have one group that does it, and then another group that does it, but they do it separately, and it's not together, it's not cohesive, and it just seems awkward and forced. Now, Mankato has a history of just saying, no, let's come together, and let's, let's do this together. What does the public engagement look like in this process? Is there going to be some open houses? Is there going to be some outreach? Or if there's someone listening that's interested in maybe getting their hands dirty, they want to put in some input, how would how would someone get involved or have some input? Yeah, so that's really important. We want to make sure that we are reaching out to folks throughout the community. So it's not just going to be GMG members that are involved in this because we are not a community that's just GMG members, um, even though there are over 900 GMG members um, throughout the community. Um, but we want to engage with the public and make sure that we're gathering everybody's input and making sure that, again, we are considering everybody's point of view and their, their thoughts on what the future is going to look like. So there will be opportunities for public engagement, I'm sure. Um, how that will look, I don't know yet. Uh, that's still being developed, but we will make sure that that's communicated and shared throughout all many channels out there. So I'm sure that we'll have media partners that are involved with that, both print, digital, and social, and we'll use all of our tools that we have available as well to share that. There was another announcement that just came out today. Now, by the time people actually listen to this, it'll probably be three weeks from now. But um, there was a new announcement. There's a couple million dollars coming GMG's yeah. way yeah. when it comes to developing. Make money, money, make money, money. Yeah. So yeah. Aaron and I are specifically interested in how can we maybe get like half. We don't need it all. But like if <laughs> I'll take just a quarter. A yeah. I'll be happy with a quarter. Yeah. But uh, could you tell the folks, I've, I've read the press release, so I understand the generals of it but if you could tell us a little bit about what that is and what gmg is excited to do yeah so uh this was a, a really initiative to that my uh economic development partner ryan vc uh spearheaded um really this is the uh the result of his labor for sure so he definitely deserves a ton of credit uh for putting this all together but the state of minnesota and the legislature earmarked 80 million dollars uh last year to help main streets uh, to uh, try and bounce back from uh, COVID and the pandemic. So they established this uh, competitive grant process called the Main Street Economic Revitalization Fund and as a way for different entities, nonprofits specifically, to develop plans and apply for uh, grant funds to say, here's what I want to do to help our community. And so GMG applied, and we uh, applied for a $2 million grant to um, help businesses throughout the uh, greater Mankato um, uh, area to help those businesses bounce back from whatever impact they had from COVID. So we have identified certain areas along the 169 and Highway 14 corridor uh, specifically uh, to be helpful. And these are grants up to $750,000. It will um, uh, be 30% grant um, grant. up to $750,000 or guaranteed loans as well. Um, We have some other um, uh, car votes into that and some other uh, underrepresented communities as well that we're gonna focus on. We're partnering with Region 9 uh, to make sure that that uh, gets done in an equitable manner. 
but grant uh, and application process will be coming out here soon. Uh, but Ryan is really working on that. So the hard part uh, starts. So we got the money and we're like the dog that caught the, the car now. It's like, what do we do now? It's like, well, thankfully Ryan has really had a great job being really thoughtful and intentional about this. And so we're gonna have to just implement it. So it'd be a great opportunity for businesses who have um, suffered frankly, um, and been impacted from COVID and not been able to grow in ways they want to, to say, Hey, I've got an idea. I want to grow. I need a grant. I want to get a loan that maybe I couldn't get otherwise, um, to help them. So, and it'll be backed up by the full faith and credit of the state of Minnesota. Ryan's really done a nice job in that role. Yeah. I, uh, I knew John Considine who yeah. was in the, you know, that, uh, what would it be more senior version of that role or I don't know exactly how it laid out. Well, John had been around a lot longer um, yeah. for sure. And Ryan came on like a month before the pandemic started. Yeah. And he is uh, our data nerd, not, not nerd, but wizard. Um, and he has a, a, a major background in staffing and workforce development. So he really focuses a lot of his time on that. And so he can find any piece of information that you need to, and he can present the data how you want to, but he really understands the ins and outs of, of our market and our businesses and our community can understand the trends and, and how we need to be helpful. So I was joking when I said, how can Aaron and I get, you know, maybe a million, but at the same time, if you could tell GMG that there's other places other than, you know, downtown or old town, maybe Madison Avenue could use some development Whoa. monies. Cause there's a couple of business owners yeah. up here that wouldn't mind, uh, you know, adding on or maybe like doing a few, few updates. So just throwing that out there for sure. Just an idea. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that's really cool that, yeah. that Ryan and the rest of the GMG team was able to pull that in for the local community. Yeah, so. it was a labor of love for sure. And, you know, we're, we're very thankful for Jessica and her leadership to allow the latitude for us to be able to, to pursue this because it was a heavy lift for sure. And um, the announcement came a month after we expected it to be, but um, that's good. But uh, there was only 14 uh, uh, folks within the state of Minnesota that won um, grants this second round, um, which totaled $41 million. The largest share of that went to Minneapolis, St. Paul area, but throughout greater Minnesota, those folks like Faribault, Winona, uh, and others that, that won um, some big money, big money, and, and Greater Mankato Growth was up there. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Yeah. I feel like Aaron's writing out his fast five as we're sitting here, so I'm going to stall for him for, <laughs> hey, for a minute. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, this is how I always do it. I just uh, kind of go off the cuff, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I'll have some finishing questions for uh, Mr. Andy Paul, Andrew Paul Wilkie, in just a, a short bit here. I do did want to ask you before that though. Um, uh, favorite thing about your like your role right now? Obviously, there's a, you're still wearing a handful of hats. You know, yeah. you, you got the. Uh, the director of business development and public affairs title, but you're still wearing the hats of, of course, father and, and uh, husband and all those things. But, you know, pertaining to your career and what you do for Mankato and the greater Mankato area, what, what's your favorite thing about what you do now? Like what's the most enjoyable part? I get to brag about Mankato and the Mankato businesses every single day. And it is awesome because there is a lot to brag about. Um, the public affairs role is really where I spend a lot of my time, the majority of my time. And so as we're approaching the the end of session here, um, uh, we're, the legislators coming together. And so developing those relationships with our legislators and making sure they understand our needs as a community and what's going to help us and what may potentially not help us um, is really something that I love telling that story, um, developing those relationships and being able to, to text senators and representatives and say, Hey, this, this is not good. And we don't, we don't want this, you know, we need you to vote no and explaining why. 
um, is really, I think, a lot of fun. And that's where I found my true passion. Well, and it's a natural fit for you. And it's important that we have someone locally that's on that level with those folks, too, and especially in the business community. So I'm glad that you're in a position to do that. Yeah, thank you. So one of the questions that we uh, like to have towards the end of the show, too, is, you know, we've got a you know, tremendous guest list of uh, folks yeah. that we want to have on Which, the show. Why am I here, by the way? So there's a <laughs> you, you've had the mayor, you've had doctors, you've had all these like incredible well, people. You're a buddy, and that's that's a big part well, of it. But also, you, you have you uh, be a really doctor. rich. You have a rich background of experiences yourself. I mean, we were able to cover. Uh, you know, everything from small business ownership, which is, of course, a big passion of Aaron and ours, to the mall side, which is a huge piece of local history, and then into current events in the business sure. community. So don't sell yourself. Fair sure enough. Fair care. enough. Fair enough. Uh, but I was going to say, one of the things we like to ask is, is do you have someone, you know, we've obviously got these guest lists, but do you have someone that you think that we should have on the show? And Keep in mind, we like to focus on not necessarily topic areas, but people with interesting stories. And those might fall within topic areas. But if you've got someone that you think makes sense, you not only should tell us, but maybe even help us get them on the show <laughs> if you have a personal connection. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are doing things in our community to make a difference. There's a lot of people that are doing things intentionally and without wanting... Um, the headlines as well. And I think that's really important. There's a lot of business owners that are just developing, you know, ideas in, you know, the city center or wherever. Um, you know, I, we talked about Brandon Shield. He, he would be really interesting to hear that story about Shields and the Mankato ties. Um, the Mankato store here uh, as it exists is one of the first stores that was built that looks the way it is right now. That's the prototype store uh, that is built wherever um, shields are built now. And they've expanded upon it, obviously. Um, you know, but others, uh, I think Chad Supernat is is really somebody who um, needs to, to be talked to because he's got a rich history, not only himself, but his family uh, as well and how they've developed it. Um, you know, Dave Schuf, uh, I think, is another good one. He's um, you know, worked in the chamber business, um, but now he is uh, heavily involved in commercial real estate. Um, and so I think that's, that's super interesting. But then I think education, you know, we have a, uh, a rich plethora of educational institutions here in Mankato. So between MSU, SEC, Mankato Area Public Schools, um, you know, we are very blessed um, to have that, frankly, that advantage um, in our community to have those types of educational resources. Great answers. Uh, I'm going to say yes to all of them, which means that you have an obligation to help us get all of those folks on the show now. So, Great. Yeah. No, it would be great. I, I think uh, especially the individuals you mentioned, Shoof and um, Supernaut and Shield, have all been on our list too. Yeah. So those are definitely folks that are on our radar that have a huge impact locally that I think would be fantastic to get stories from. 100% agree. I think I finished my questions. Shoot. Andrew, Paul, Wilkie, this is your time to shine. I'm oh such dear. a terrible singer. I don't know why I always do that. Actually, I'm not. I, I like You're a great singer. I like Come karaoke. On I just got to have the right artist. What's your go-to karaoke of, song? Um, actually, is that one of the questions? Fire and Rain by James Taylor. <laughs> oh, okay. I can nail it because he's got a little nasally voice, wow. and I got a little bit of that, too, and I can nail it. I see a little James Taylor and then in right actually, now. And then actually, Hootie and the Blowfish, um, Darius Rucker and Hootie and the Blowfish, and it, it is... Um, 
gosh, I'll come back to. I'll I, I, you, I I'll had you, you know what song that is, but I, I can actually do okay, okay with it. I pegged you for "Baby Got Back," so it makes a lot. <laughs> that's what I pegged you for. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> See, I also pegged you for that song too. Oh, I, I would be Journey all the way. Are you? Oh, for sure. Can you don't get, stop believing? Come on. Can I was going to say, can you get high? But that <laughs> <laughs> I met with your voice. Uh, can you sing high? Can you get the Oh, high absolutely notes? not. I'm terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. But okay. I, you just own it, right? You, you just, just have to go in. You anyway. have to, like you said, we talked about earlier, you walk in like you own the place. You right? walk in like you own the place. It's between <laughs> okay. your ears, right? I always tell clients that at the clothing store, too. Can I, can I pull this off? Hell well, yeah, you when they're wearing just suits from Jay Longs, they have an little extra swagger to them, so of Thank course you. they're going to walk Thank that way. Thank you. Yeah, that's that. definitely not the free wine or free beer that you have while you're there. <laughs> well, yes, you're supposed to amortize that. Okay, yes, that is true. That is part of what makes us, uh, uh, you know, sets us apart. One of many reasons, I think, but I am also biased. All right, we're going to do a fast five here with Andrew Paul Wilkie. Here we go. All right, if you could be any candy bar, any candy bar, which candy bar would you be? Um, I would be a Reese's peanut butter cup. Any reason why? Or just they're delicious. It's one of my favorites. But because why? they're just amazing and they're a little bit surprising on the inside. Ooh, <laughs> you, you heard it here first in the Get Deep podcast. Uh, if you could run a race anywhere, um, since you're now a runner, oh dear, uh, where would you like to run? Where would be your dream place to run a cool, like, just say half marathon? Um. I do want to run a marathon at some point. I've not done that. So Boston is on the list. I don't think I'll ever like run fast enough to qualify for, but that's that not would, the attitude. That would be here. really cool. Um, cool place to run. Um, I would say, um, Pacific coast highway, Malibu. That'd be super beautiful. I know this is the fast five and I'm going to ruin it by asking this question, but I've never understood. What is it about? I know that the Boston marathon is like the standard when it comes to runners. What the heck is it about the Boston marathon? That's like, so important or like why do people always pick that as like that's the race so you have to qualify for the boston marathon yeah. that, that's part of it so it's just like an award kind of thing like and, oh i made it and there's a lot of rich history okay. and then um for me too you know the i was working at jordan creek town center when the boston marathon bombing happened sure it left a really big impression on me and it, it frankly it impacted my career quite a bit as well just thinking about those types of events and what can happen and so it, i think for me it's a patriotic type thing like this is boston we're going to come okay. back and, and we're americans and we can come back from this and, and we can come back stronger and you know yeah. you guys aren't going to ruin our special thing do, it. do you know what you have to what's what's the time you have to get to qualify for boston do you remember I, sub two two for for men i think it's under three hours um, which is very fast. Yeah. Um, for women, I think it's like three twenty-five. Um, okay. So, wow. I, I'll I I will be lucky to be under four hours for my first marathon. So, but yeah, we'll see how that happens. You'll Sorry. get there. Are we doing a fast five? Or I know we're doing a semi slow slash fast. We took a timeout. And That's okay. Did a little slow dance. That's awkward. Okay. Awkward. Uh, uh, you know, slow awkward dance. slow dance. My hands are around your hips. Here we go. I can feel your hip bones. They're nice. Uh. So, in your currently your role as director of business development and public affairs at GMG Greater Mankato Growth here in Mankato, love you for that. You're great at it. Next role, though, I mean, do do you aspire? Is there something you're willing to share on the Get Deep podcast? That you what, what's like the next role that you would like to go from here? Or is this you, you're happy here? You want to retire with doing this role? I mean, re re retired sounds great for sure. <laughs> well, your dad retired at 56, 55, 56 yeah. years old. So obviously you're one of your most important people in your life and a model, um, uh, not a, you know, 
a model, a mentor, but a mentor. Sure. We'll yeah. say that, right? Um, so let's say Andy's got 15 more years of uh, a career. If he was going to go after his father's role here, do you want to stay where you're at? What's what's your thing? You want to be the mayor of Mankato? I mean, I'm so focused on what I'm doing right now and just trying to do it well um, and trying to develop the relationships. So I, I think that's kind of where my, <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I think I'm just really focused on making sure that, that uh, I'm representing Mankato as best as possible and, and making sure that I have um, a lot to brag about. So any way I can be helpful to the community so I can brag more is really what I'm focused on right now. But, you know, when it comes to public affairs work, you know, I am, I have, I have very good relationships with our local legislators, but there's always more work to do. You know, Minnesota has 201 legislators. I uh, am not on a texting basis with all of them. And so there is a goal to aspire to. There you go. I like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I had to laugh when I read, I, I forgot that I wrote that question. Um, okay. So if you could retire anywhere when that time comes, uh, retirement wise, Obviously, you love Mankato. You came back here. You're raising a family here. But if you could retire somewhere else, where would that place be? I mean, yeah. Why would I leave Mankato? It's so fantastic. (laughs) Or even part-time. I mean, like, where would you decide to have a second home? We'll say that. Um... I don't really know. I haven't thought about that. It's so far down the road. I'm, I, I don't really know. But I, I, I'm learning that uh, winters are a lot longer the older you get. Sure. They hurt so, um, you know, any time to get away and get a little uh, sun and maybe some sand and a golf course down south in the wintertime would definitely be enjoyable. So Love it. I don't know where that is, but it would definitely be I fun. see you, like, in my – I'm closing my eyes right now, and I'm envisioning you, like, buying, like, uh, a cool property, like – on the coast, like Corpus Christi, uh, like a sweet condo, like just, I mean, throwing out a number, like a $625,000 property in the Corpus Christi area. Well, I today's even, housing market, on, that's not going to be much. Am I even on? Corpus Christi, you can get a beautiful, like four <laughs> bedroom, three bathroom home. It's exactly the home I showed Aaron. Sounds lovely. Let's yeah. do that. Had to, had to go after Wes here. Yeah. I love it. Um, Good memory, so, by the way. You're welcome, buddy. I do listen to you sometimes. Uh, okay. Last question, and this is a yes or no question, and I want you to be honest, okay? Don't don't lie to me. Would you streak through the River Hills Mall for $100,000? $100,000? Yes. Boom, you heard it here first in the Get Deep podcast. <laughs> and Aaron's going to put up the money to make that No, we're going to start a fundraiser, and we're going to come up with that hundred grand and make Andy Wilkie streak, streak through the River Hills Mall. You know, the human body is a beautiful thing, really and is. why hide it, right? Yeah, hundred grand, not, you could pay some bills it's off. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. On that note, would Greater Mankato Growth like to maybe sponsor this podcast? <laughs> or a question for somebody else. <laughs> you know, you didn't ask me the one question I had prepared for. The tree? The tree question, <laughs> which is really rude. I had to throw you off I'm because just so rude. Gives me shit about that question. Well, I thought we were going to get through an episode without having to do it. All right, you fine, Andy. If you could be any tree, what tree would you be and why? I would not be a tree. I would be a perfectly manicured lawn because I am that dad now that loves his white New Balance shoes and a perfectly manicured lawn. He was so prepared for that question. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. I like the I like the uh, the answer for sure, but I also still want to know. You you can't switch it that far. What tree would you be, Andy? I really like Bradford pears and how they uh, bloom this time of year. He so was ready for that because too. he had experience in Augusta, Georgia. 
I love that. We didn't have those down there. We did. We did have them up here. So uh, right now, this time of year, everyone's seeing them flowering, and they just look beautiful. Bradford pear trees. Yeah. And they actually grow pears. No. Okay. Well, that's a lot of them uh, have these little red berries on them, um, which are kind of annoying. But they actually do a variety right now. I know that tree. They do a variety that um, flowers, but does not have the berry. Okay. So hmm. You could probably go up to like Drummers, um, which is a, a great uh, locally owned business as well. And they can sell Good them. Plug. And I definitely think that they have a variety of trees. So. I just love that he made you ask the question only to shut down the question <laughs> of the know, non-answer. That know. was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, with that, Wes, um, how do we wrap, wrap up the show with... Uh, I just Andy. want to say thank you to everyone for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Andy, for being on the show. Appreciate yeah, I mean, you. thank you guys for doing this. This is really cool, and it's it's really great to hear from some of the leaders within uh, the Mankato community. You know, there's a lot of folks who I know of but didn't know their story, and so I think that this is really cool and good work that you guys are doing. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Thank you. I'm glad Appreciate you're listening. That. It's 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 awesome. It's, it's a pleasure to be able to provide this type of uh, environment for business leaders and other people in the community. It's it's great. So thanks for tuning in. And also, thank you for coming back a second time since we had to delay this for the storms last week. So I know your time is valuable with your family and your business. So thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.